like I said, my original goal was to earn 200 pounds a month just to kind of, you know, help me pay my bills. But I always hoped that something would happen. I always hoped that I would be able to kind of get out of that corp- you know, corporate world and actually just be a bit more dynamic in, in my job in a sense, a bit more free. And like I said, my, my goal really now is that freedom. Now that I've had that taste of it, I would never want to go back to a job. You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Chris Wayne has faced some significant challenges on his journey into e-commerce. He has taken his problems head on. His goal is one I think we can all strive for, freedom. Like many of the minds we've talked to, he's willing to offer his expertise to like-minded people as a mentor. And as an expert dropshipper, we talked to him today about how he sailed past his modest goal of 200 pounds, his strategy for dropshipping, and how to handle criticism as just a few examples. No time to waste. Let's hop to it. Chris Wayne, it's good to have you here. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It's great. I I, I agree, and I haven't even asked you a question yet. So my <laughs> uh, my approach to these interviews is is to start with what brings you here today. So uh, who are you? What do you do? And what is your role in the world of e-commerce? Uh, so my name is Chris Wayne. I started dropshipping. Well, officially, probably started dropshipping just over three years ago. Launched my own. Um, general store e-commerce business that grew to over $700,000. Since then, I've launched other dropshipping businesses as well. And I'm also the founder of the Advanced Dropshipping Academy, where I teach other people how to build and launch their own online e-commerce businesses. Yeah. You know, one of of the things I I wanted to make sure I asked you was about the the dropshipping uh, academy. Um, You advertise it as a data-driven dropshipping method. So um, what can you tell us about it and what should uh, prospective students be keeping in mind uh, if they apply i think the biggest mistake a lot of new people in dropshipping make is the they jump onto aliexpress and they pick a random product they just pick something they think looks interesting that kind of looks cool and they hope for the best and they think they're going to make a million dollars overnight and it, it doesn't really work like that i mean you know going back four five six years ago you could probably fire out a cat necklace on a facebook ad and make tens of thousands of dollars you know but markets mature over time and i think now we're in a space in terms of dropshipping where the data and the validation of products you choose is very important and that's kind of the strategy i focus on is looking at the data to make sure that you're choosing a product that not only kind of has the highest potential of profit but also has the highest potential for growth long term as well kind of thing and i think a lot of people make that mistake they think this is some sort of get rich quick scheme you know they think dropshipping mm-hmm. is a kind of a secret method of running a business and it's not at the end of the day it's an e-commerce business you're running an e-commerce business using a dropshipping fulfillment model kind of thing so you know picking the right products is paramount to making it work you can advertise something as well as you want and be awesome and marketing and things like that and get loads of people to your store but if nobody wants the product you're trying to sell no one's going to buy it so i focus on the data behind the products to make sure that they have a track record of sales you know there's, there's demand for it in terms of google trend searches and all that kind of data behind it in order to really pick the right products to build the business around we're, we're definitely going to uh, uh, get some more uh, questions in uh, in regards uh, to that. But there was something that stuck out to me um, from uh, from your introduction. So you've been doing this for three years. Uh, that's 
so it's like 2016, 2017 is when you got this started. And, and, and that's something that, that surprises me, um, especially with a lot of the people that I talk to, is that it's not like anybody here has been doing this for, at least so far, nobody that I've talked to has been doing this for like 15 years, 20 years. So it's it's still in, uh, I guess, some of the early early phases of it. And you, and it's maturing, but it's not mature yet. Um, what like what were some of the people around um, when you guys started? Like, what was the environment like when uh, when you when you got into it? There weren't that many people doing it. Um, I think when I started, I stumbled across uh, YouTube recommended me a video about how some guy had made a quarter of a million dollars selling paracord bracelets on his online store. And that just blew my mind at the time. And I was just like, how? How is this even possible? And then YouTube algorithm picked up the fact I was watching these videos and it led me further down into like Oblo and things like that. Um, and that's kind of how it went. But there weren't that many YouTube was doing it at the time when I first stumbled across it. Um, I, funnily enough, I actually looked into dropshipping about 12 years ago. I found an old email where I was looking, but it was very much, it wasn't as it is now. It was very much take it from suppliers, you know, like in the UK, for example, and actually speak to them directly. And, you know, it wasn't none of, the, none of this sort of Chinese AliExpress dropshipping using all below as your connection and things like that. But yeah, I think back, back when I started, there was a few people knocking around. Some of them aren't even here anymore. They're not even in the space anymore. They've moved on to SaaS companies and all sorts of things like that. So, um, but you've seen a lot more people pop up. You know, it's becoming a lot more common to see people on YouTube and, you know, popping up with these, you know, dropshipping tips and tricks and things like this. And you never know how credible they actually are these days. You know, that's the problem with it. You don't know that background and what they've done. But yeah, back when I started, there wasn't a lot. I didn't have anyone really show me what to do in a sense. Right. And, and I'm just, uh, I can't, I can't help but imagine that those videos you saw must have been in 480p at best. Like they, they didn't look so good. Yeah. yeah it, it, it amazes me too, uh, just trying to get a grasp on, uh, on legitimacy. Cause I'm, you know, I'm, I, I can, I can be pretty skeptical. And so it, I, 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 I feel like I would have to see like, transactions happening in real time before mm. i can truly and fully um, uh, um believe uh, somebody if i were in the position of you know looking on youtube videos and and seeing it because it's it's pretty easy to fake a lot of things yeah somebody not naming names but somebody can like walk around in a in a hollywood mansion and point to their ferraris and say yeah i i did all this uh in 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 a month and if you sign up for my course uh, you can too and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it. So like, did anything, I guess, was there anything that stuck out to you that made you think, oh, okay, well, that actually does look legit. I think really when it comes down to the, the credibility of people, especially in kind of the social media age we're in now, it's very easy to fake things. I think credibility really comes down to being able to back up the claims I've had. So there's, there's actually been some people, again, not naming kind of any names that I looked up to when I first started that have turned out to have not been legitimate. Um, which was shocking to me at the time kind of thing. But I think, you know, people in the dropshipping space, you know, obviously you know, Obelo are a well-known kind of brand within the space. You know, Shopify own Obelo, um, is the, you know, the credibility is with them in a sense. Mm -hmm. and everybody that's been on Obelo's YouTube channel, myself included, have been vetted by Shopify and Obelo. Mm -hmm. um, they are connected to our stores kind of thing. They see the transactions coming in and out sort of thing. So they, they know what's been done. So... I, I could say, you know, relatively confidently, anyone that's been on Oblo's YouTube channel is, is legitimate, in a sense, because of the background checks they do on you. Um, anyone that hasn't, then the question mark 
you know, as above their head kind of thing. I'm not saying they are scammers. I'm not saying they're illegitimate or anything, but, you know, there are going to be people out there that are, and it's very, very difficult to, to see that, you know, um, I think mm-hmm. there's been a big, big dropshipper recently who, um, has been sued for fraud. Um, oh, wow. For, for basically, he, he legitimately sold a lot of products, you know, he's, he's selling a course and things, but he's been, he sold a lot of products, but I think there's like a class action lawsuit or something against, I don't know the details exactly, but he's, was selling something fraudulently in terms of, you know, saying it was made in the US and it wasn't made in the US and all this. Kind uh, of so he's done the sales, but not legitimately. Yeah. So, right. Um, well, I mean, it's false pretenses, right? Because if somebody says it's made in the US and that's technically a selling point, yes. well, if that's not the case, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I, I worked in retail, so there, I've, I've seen a lot of different tactics. Like I've seen like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an international uh, assembly, which is to say like, the calf for the leather came from India and then everything else was made in China. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. It's totally international. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, credibility. Yeah. It's, um, it's difficult to find, but you know, there are places out there in terms of Shopify and below that really do add credibility to people kind of thing because of the, the, the research they do. Mm-hmm. And I do want to say uh, in, in fairness to uh, my own, uh, to my own experience with that debutify, one of the first things that uh, happened was um, uh, Ricky, uh, Ricky Hayes. He, he uh, he took me through his uh, his training course, and uh, and that helped me un- like see the legitimacy of it right away because it was all behind the scenes stuff. He wasn't trying to uh, to hide anything, and that was definitely a helpful route um, uh, early on, just to make me realize, wow, this stuff, uh, you know, people can really succeed in this. People can really make a, a huge difference, and it's also great too that as I interview person to person. I'm noticing, and mind you, this is like, you're like interview number six. So this might not be such a good point once I get to interview number 23. But everybody seems to be working together to contribute a puzzle piece into the the bigger picture. And as you say, Shopify and Oberlo, they are somewhat of, um, I don't want to say gatekeeper, more like a safeguard or a vanguard of uh, of legitimacy everybody one way or another has a relationship uh with these companies it's pretty difficult not to and and debutify is no exception it's a shopify theme yeah. so our legitimacy is based off shopify's legitimacy yeah definitely definitely you, i mean shopify is great you know you can you can there's so there's so many e-commerce businesses built on shopify it's not just drop shippers you know drop shipping is a fulfilling right. model you know you're still running an e-commerce business at the end of the day you know, so you know people who say dropshipping is a scam, you, it's just wrong. <laughs> it's a fulfillment model. You know, it's been around for decades. You know, it's an e-commerce business at the end of the day. To say dropshipping is a scam is to say e-commerce is a scam. So that's my, you know, my opinion on it. Right, and and it's just like a it's a reductionist argument because then it, well, e-commerce is a scam. Well, then economics is a scam. Yeah. Uh, then money is a scam. And then life is a scam. It's like, well, yeah. okay, that's you know uh, uh, make sure you take that black pill with some water while you're at it you don't want to choke on the black pill on the way down yeah, there, so there's there's one other thing that you get up to but i'll just want to make sure that i, I didn't uh, uh, miss anything else but you also do one-on-one calls with um prospective entrepreneurs now is that part of the drop shipping course or is this a separate thing or like somebody signs up for the drop shipping course and they can do the calls as well uh so the calls are really for people who kind of want to work with me personally 
in order to oh, launch their own dropship business. So it's kind of like a personal mentorship in a sense to, I only work with a small handful of people kind of thing any one time. My academy is my academy, you know, it's pre-recorded video content teaching you how to build and launch and scale a business. Whereas the calls are really for, for me to discuss the possibility of working with people uh, at a higher level in a sense to build a long-term e-commerce brand, but using the dropshipping model initially you know, to validate those products at low risk and then turn it into a, you know, stock and everything like that, fulfillment centers and all that kind of stuff in terms of a uh, sort of a long-term brand for the future. Mm-hmm. And, and, and across um, uh, both these uh, operations, are, are there any um, standout examples of uh, uh, anything that really stuck out to you and said, wow, I, I made a huge difference in this. This is a great success now. Uh, yeah, there's been you know there's been a lot of successes in the academy. I think one of the most notable ones for me, um, just because of the speed of the results, was there was a, a guy called Shannon from Australia. He um, he launched, he joined the academy, and then within 30 days of his store launching, he'd done $93,000 in sales within his first sorry three days. Within 30 days, sorry, within his 30 first days, okay, days so. of his of his store going live, he did $93,000, which was great to see. Not just because I you know, obviously I'd kind of help somebody change their life in a way, but also that strategies can be transferred to such a high level quickly as well kind of thing. So um, I think last time I spoke to him, he was up to like $130,000 on his store or something like that. And, um, I'm not sure where he is now, but that was that's one that always stands out in my mind of, you know, from all the success stories kind of thing, just how quickly he saw those results once once starting, you know, so that was, a, that was always a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we move on, uh, and I, I just wanted to, see if you'd be willing to tell us uh, anything else about some of the for some of the format or maybe some of the some of the process that uh, you you go with uh, speaking to people one-on-one uh, really i mean the initial calls that i have with people are really just about understanding what their goals are you know where where are they now in terms of knowledge and experience um do their goals align to what i can even offer do you know because sometimes i get people on who want something that i can't help them with you know so really those initial calls are just to make sure that you know the, they have realistic goals for a start i had somebody who said he wanted to make a million dollars profit in a single day which you know i told him if he figures it out let me know kind of thing so um, you know some people have unrealistic goals with it but you know i want to make sure that i'm working with people who you know want to understand how to build an e-commerce business really and that is the mindset that they have so that's what i'm looking for this isn't a get rich quick kind of thing it's not a scam it's not a scheme it's a business and you have to understand you know the the techniques and the strategies in order to build it but i need to make sure that i can help you understand that as well based on your goals so i think so that's what those calls are for okay okay excellent so i checked out your dropshipping store big red um i wanted to see an instance of one chugging along at full mm-hmm. steam um in in its current state i'd like to know more about what's keeping it running like what do you who do you have in terms of personnel or software and services that are uh, op- operating on the back end so Big Red was the store that really took off for me. That was the big one. That's what got the attention of Shopify and Oberlo. That was the first successful store I had. Um, since then, I've opened up multiple other dropshipping business, uh, businesses. I've even launched a, a brand myself in April this year, which is the worst time to do it in the height of the coronavirus. But I did it anyway. Um, so that's more of an e-commerce brand. So that's where my focus is now. So my focus isn't necessarily on Big Red anymore, um, mainly because that sort of general store format doesn't necessarily work as well anymore. You know, I'm very much down the mm-hmm. kind of generic branded one product store kind of route um, to be able to build that kind of market leading proposition in the sense of brandability using the dropshipping model. So Big Red's still running because I can't bring myself to shut it down. 
Um, but it's really collecting traffic organically now from Google, just, you know, just for free in a sense. So it's making money each month for free. Um, so it doesn't take a lot. I just manage it myself because it's not, you know, it's not a brand that runs at a high level anymore um, because I've moved on to other businesses within, you know, dropshipping and e-commerce in a sense. So that was just, that's the baby. That's the original one. Um, mm-hmm. I, use it, I use it a lot for content within the academy to show, you know, what you should do and what you shouldn't do now kind of thing um, because there are things on there that I, I do change now going forwards. Uh, but that was the, the first big success story within kind of my journey in dropshipping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I was a uh, I was interested in that just because uh, I'm when I, I had a feeling that you know you you moved on to other things. It's because I I do know from researching you is that you there's been a process to your development. Uh, you've had to go from uh, from operation to operation, idea to idea, which we'll we'll, we'll get into a little bit. Uh, but I was wondering if it would turn into like its whole uh, Acme Industries where it, it, you have to have uh, other people uh, running it or anything like that. So have you had to hire uh, people for uh, anything that you're doing, or have you been able to just keep tabs on uh, all of your on your work uh, i have had to hire people virtual assistants mainly um to help with stores especially when they start to scale um, big red you know as it's height when it was doing you know tens of thousands of, of pounds a day because i was running it in pounds at the time so um i obviously needed that support then but now not so much so they transition into other areas of my business that i need kind of thing so um, I, I'm, I find it very difficult to delegate. It's one of it's one of my flaws. I find it yeah. very difficult to let go of control. Uh, I am working on it. It's taking time, but I'm I'm getting there. But I think I'm I'm very much hands on in terms of how I run my business, and it and it, that's an issue I have to deal with to allow me to grow mm-hmm. even further, kind of thing. But it's um yeah a big red. You know, I just manage that myself because it you know it ticks over each month on its own, kind of thing. It's profitable every month just organically. Um, but yeah, the other, the other businesses are really the, the focus really in terms of the new e-commerce brand and things like that. Um, that's where a lot of my VA work is is held at the moment. What was, uh, what was the one that you started up in April? Uh, um, so that's my sort of e-commerce brand. I don't want to share it just yet. Oh, sure. they will get <laughs> swamped with traffic that won't be buying from me. But um, yeah, that was a brand new sort of e-commerce e-commerce business one product kind of brandable store that i've you know want to get kind of like private labeled for the future and really try and grow it into a brand um because my entire kind of dropshipping journey so far has very much been jumping on trends and even mm-hmm. though it's worked very well trends don't last and that's the uh, that's the problem so now you know i'm looking at really you know using my knowledge and experience in the field to create an e-commerce business that that can just run you know every single day of the year for as long as possible kind of thing so that's really the goal evergreen product mass market appeal problem solver you know the, the standard mm-hmm. winning product criteria i'm just yeah letting it run and you know see where i can get with it you know it's funny that you um, say that uh, trends by their definition uh, they don't last forever and it's something that i i, I always find uh, concerning uh, especially because uh, going on to social media a lot of the content that they encourage the users to create is also temporal by design like you go into instagram stories and they last what a day before they go mm-hmm. on to the next thing so there's always this sense of like missing out so i, th- I guess there's a balance there between well if i'm going to be involved in this uh i you know i gotta get in there knowing that it's not going to last forever but staying out of it i don't know if that's um if that's going to uh, completely work either my, my approach to trends has always been I'll, I'll dip into the river, see if there is something that I want to grab, but then I keep it for life. Yeah. 
it really depends what you're getting into this far, I suppose. Some people see it as a get rich quick thing, so they'll jump on a trend, you know, get the cash grab and then do a runner sort of thing. You know, that's uh, not in a scammy way, just, you know, once it dies off, they'll finish kind of thing. They'll have a decent pot of money there to do with whatever they want. Other people do want to legitimately build a long term e commerce business to quit the job or, you know, retire earlier or whatever. Um, you know, and obviously your product choice really is important with that. If you think back to the fidget spinners, you know, if you were dropped to the fidget spinners when they came around, you would I mean you would have made a fortune. So I think an absolute fortune. But if you you know, I remember hearing a story where some guy bought like forty thousand dollars worth of fidget spinners just after the trend stopped. Um and I think he was stuck with thirty eight thousand dollars worth of fidget spinners that you couldn't get rid of because no one wanted them anymore. Sort of thing. So it's, it's very much kind of a case of what you what you're in it for. I mean, you look now with masks. You know, before Facebook and Google started clamping down on people advertising face masks, everybody in the world pretty much needs a face mask. You know, so the people who cashed in on that at the beginning made a lot of money before. Facebook yeah, I mean, I I still uh, scroll off Facebook because I have uh, oh so many uh, habits that I could stand to iron out, and I and I do still see some mask uh, advertisements. I, um, this was something that I, we were actually talking about in a in a mentoring session uh, last week. Uh, I think it was if it's a COVID nineteen related advertisement, that's where Facebooks uh, will uh, lay down layeth down the hammer because they don't want it's it's a sensitive issue right people have experienced loss with it so right. so i i understand but i have noticed that people are going back to advertising masks in as if there was no covid-19 like oh yeah no this is a breathable mask something to wear when you go jogging so people have found ways to get around mm-hmm. it so i i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if eventually Facebook just says, okay, that's it. No more masks. No one's selling masks anymore. Enough is enough. Because people know, oh, I see a mask advertisement. Gee, I wonder what uh, <laughs> what problem they're solving. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, they definitely clamped down on it a lot. Um, people were putting dots and dashes between the word mask and things so the bot would <laughs> find it and all sorts of little tricks. So it wouldn't surprise me if people have found loopholes to you know get their ads running. Um, but yeah, it really depends what you're in this for. You know, now, originally I was in it for trends. I was in it for the cash grab. You know, as I've, my experience has sort of grown and I've understood what this is a lot more kind of thing. You know, now I'm focusing more long term to see if I can stop hunting products as much as I have been kind of thing. Actually, to settle on one and just run that, you know, as, as, as high a scale as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. So I want to get into um, some of your research. So I know that research is a major key to your success. You engulfed yourself in knowledge at the beginning of your journey. And you mentioned earlier that you had even seen the um, the, the seeds or the foundations of dropshipping uh, 12 years ago. Um, and I also understand that you haven't exactly stopped researching. So um, w- now that you're this far into the game, uh, what is your how, what does research look like for you in your position? A lot of it really comes down to, in terms of product research, it really comes down to kind of trends in terms of search terms on Google, you know, because what I found is, you know, my advertising strategies have evolved slightly over time um, in terms of techniques, but I'm still running the same kind of strategies I did when I first launched Big Red in a way. Um, So what I've added is hundreds of products. Yeah, the hundreds and hundreds of products, but the strategies have stayed pretty much the same. Um, so that would suggest to me that product is very, very important. Yeah, because my, my marketing strategies, my website designs have all been roughly the same. They've improved over time, but it's the product that has been the main variable. Uh, and there's been times where I could spend hundreds and hundreds of pounds on, on, on advertising and get nothing for it. 
because nobody really wanted the product. So my research now is very much around finding products that people want. Where is the demand for the products? Because you don't even have to be that good at advertising in order to make sales if people really, really want that product. Um, masks, for example. You know, a lot of people have made hundreds of thousands of dollars off masks originally when they've probably been trying to drop shipping for months and months and not made a single dollar kind of thing. So it, it, it doesn't it doesn't take a lot if you have the right product, but finding that product is, is really the key. And I think this is something I try and get a lot across to my students and to, to the clients with mentorship is, you know, this product is very, very important. You know, you this is the thing people are going to be buying. You need to understand how to connect with the audience, with your customer in order to sell it. So doing the research on, on is the demand for the product and what do people want it for is pretty much the, the, the foundation to my initial product research. So I noticed, because uh, I, I, I do um, some uh, silver content as well, so it gives me an opportunity to do a lot of uh, research for the company. So the top selling products I had seen, it was in the period of March. It was a, masks weren't on it, I guess, because it was so high up that it, it just shot right past the, the screen. Uh, then it was disposable gloves, which makes sense. And then after that, it was bread makers, was the next highest selling product that, I, that they had on the chart. That could have been because no one could buy anything in the shops. Yeah, <laughs> it was panic buying, wasn't there? So people were looking at making bread at home, maybe. But that, I mean, that would be again something I would class as a trending product because once the once supermarkets got back to normal and there's bread on the shelves again, you know, there was you know people didn't really need it. Like think of the the home gym equipment. That's another product that absolutely blew up during lockdowns for yeah. people. People working out from home. There was elastic bands, those gym bands. You know, so many people tried to sell them and, and that blew up. Um, but as soon as the gyms opened, no one needs them anymore. So no one's buying them anymore kind of thing, especially here in the UK sort of thing. So, yeah, I think they're, they they could be seen as evergreen products, but the trend, the spike was now because of COVID. Um, so it's all taken it's taken into, into the variables in terms of what's going on in the world as part of your product research as well. Yeah, I would uh, expect to see some... Uh, overall shift in people's uh, mindset because I think be, uh, being uh, under I really like a, a hit, unprecedented historical lockdown yeah. it's giving people an opportunity to experience living life a little bit differently maybe uh, out of their out of their usual uh, habits so you might I this is just speculating but you might expect more people to say you know what working working out from home is actually fine I guess I didn't really need to go to the gym. So I can see like a little bit of a shift in terms of what people are actually going to start using their, their homes for. I mean, I was, was social distancing like you know, way before, way before I had to. I was working remote <laughs> as far back as 2019. So government, uh, everybody else is like, stay in your homes. And I'm, my order might as well be, you know what, just do what Joseph is doing. <laughs> so I, I want to give you a chance to uh, be as granular as you've, feel you can uh, maybe you don't want to give away everything which is totally understandable but um, let's just hypothetically say you're you're, you're doing some uh, research and you're trying to nail down what might be um, in your in your shoes you're looking for something that has lasting power so what after this interview you're gonna go do some research what what does that look like yeah so I think I have a certain sub list of what I class as winning product criteria so I have a checklist okay. of criteria that I validate all my products against. So what I would do generally is if I would have a product list that I'm thinking of potentially 
sort of selling, I would create the list and I would then validate that list against the criteria. So certain things on the criteria are things like mass market appeal, uh, make sure that it is sellable to a you know a huge audience. You know that's why a lot of people get into pet niches when they first start dropshipping because it's a very simple mass market kind of product. Um, not a lot of people get into sewing niches because you know the market isn't that big. I mean, it's relatively big, but in turn, you know, in comparison, it's not. So I look for products mm-hmm. that kind of have a mass market appeal, ones that solve a problem because problem-solving products are products that people need more than want. And I think need is very important than want, especially in the current climate when people are scared about, you know, jobs as well. Do you know, do people sure. need it to improve their lives? So solving a problem that makes a product, you know, improve uh, the customer's life is important for me. Um, it needs to have some sort of like unique appeal or a, a unique selling point in a sense that you can um, focus on. So like a wow factor in a way, you know, why should they buy it from you rather than go to the corner store or Amazon or something like that. You know, what what's different about your product? You know, what makes it unique? Um, those are really the top three. I have things like um, another important one, I suppose, is the demand from Google Trends. You know, t- typing in product search terms that people will be searching for. What is the demand on it? You know, compare it to other products, you know, and, and see what the, what the differences of them are. Is it seasonal? Um, like snow goggles, you know, I was selling snow goggles um, on Big Red when I, first, when I first launched it. And, you know, that did, uh, I think it took close to £100,000 in four months. It did. Um, but if I tried to sell that, I was obviously over the winter period, but if I tried to sell that over the summer period, I wouldn't have made anything. So, you know, trends are very important in terms of when you sell their products. And that's why, you know, evergreen products are, are important. So mass market appeal, problem solving, wow factor, and that it's actually trended in terms of search terms. And you know, so as people are actually searching for it, there's demand for it. Those are really the top four. Um, and then after that, it's, it's things like, you know, can you, can you price it? Through, you know, a, with a decent margin. Because obviously, if you're paying for Facebook ads and you know, Google ads, you're going to have a cost in there as well as your product cost. So you need a decent margin. So I always try and price something um, sort of three times what I'm buying it for, including the shipping, mm-hmm. as a minimum. So I think so you wouldn't buy something for a dollar and it's like $3 kind of thing. But, you know, you'd have to sell a decent margin. But, you know, as a 3x kind of price point on it is something I definitely look at. Um, there are a few more, but those are kind of like the main ones that I look at. Um, in order to really validate products. And then I'd pick the one that I think's got the most potential. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it just reminds me um, when I was talking to one of my um, managers, this was like a, at an old watch job, and he said the markup on it was uh, was two times. So he had to buy something at cost, and then he only marked it up. I guess it was like if he bought it at 150, his markup would be 300. And it's really like mind blowing because that profit margin was everything it, it was overhead it was paying us the staff it was purchasing more products and by goodness those products needed to sell you know we didn't want to uh, stock the store with stuff that wasn't selling so the difference between that versus uh, a three times margin with you know, significantly less overhead you know you don't have to uh, uh, subscribe to, uh, to to a radio station to play uh, on the speaker for people to walk in. So it just it, it really is a a whole uh, change in people being able to put their energy into something and getting something out of it. It is a, the barrier for entry on dropshipping is so low. It is untrue. You know your biggest cost really is your advertising cost, and you could even run this without advertising. If you wanted to take it slower and cheaper, you just you know create organic posts on you know Instagram or Facebook and get just organic traffic coming back to your store through your branded kind of Instagram page. You know, yes, it'll take a lot a lot longer to get to any kind of you know tangible result, but it's free. 
So, you know, really all you're then paying for is your Shopify subscription and any kind of apps you have, you know, because your product cost is technically free because the customer mm-hmm. pays for it before you have to buy it. Um, and your your apps, you know, a lot of the apps end up paying for themselves, especially when it comes to retargeting and things like that. So that's technically free. And that's what the Shopify is in the sense, because without Shopify, you wouldn't be getting sales. So, you know, it all kind of pays for itself. And your biggest cost, your only cost really is your ad cost, your cold traffic ad cost. Um, and if you're not doing that, then it's the barrier to entry to running your own business online is so low. And that's why so many people are so attracted to it, um, because it's very, very easy to do from a laptop without any pants on on your sofa kind of thing. <laughs> that's kind of how it is. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a really good business model. Yeah. Uh, how much would you say uh, in, in your budget would, does uh, advertising factor in? Um, it's a It's a big piece of it in a sense but i'm still quite tight with spending money on on ads kind of thing so i won't go in there and start spending a thousand pounds a day on ads like i'll go in there and i'll spend you know 20 30 50 pounds a day on ads and i'll test them at first once i start seeing you know traction on a product once i start seeing profit start trimming off the fat you know kill the ad sets that aren't working and start to scale the ones that are and eventually you get a point where you have a bunch of ad sets that are profitable on a daily basis and hardly any that aren't and all you have to do then is just increase that budget. And I think a big mistake people make with Facebook ads is they think spending more means they're going to make more. And mm-hmm. it doesn't work like that. You know, you're spending more only means you're going to reach more people. You're going to you're going to get more data, reach more people, whether that's positively or negatively on, on your bottom line. You know, Facebook don't care. They're just putting your ad out to more people. So starting with a low budget, even as little as like, you know, five or a day kind of thing can be enough. Once you make sale and you make profit, you scale it kind of thing. Um, that's what I did with, my first store that took off, I spent five pounds on the very first day and it didn't, didn't make a sale. And I lost a fiver and I was like, I can't afford to do this. <laughs> and then the second day, um, it made a sale. So I was in a profit, not by a lot, but I was in profit. And I remember running around the front room celebrating. I was like, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. Cause I'd made a sale kind of thing. And then before I know it, I was at $700,000 on that store kind of thing. So you just gradually increase it. You don't need a massive budget to get started. You just got to be careful with it if your budget is low. Mm-hmm. And uh, and legends uh, speak of uh, when you when you got your first profit that you might have uh, done a lap around your room. Was that you or was that some, no, somebody was else? Yeah. That was you? Okay. I think a lot of people do that. The first sale dance, I think it's called now. <laughs> you do the first <laughs> sale dance and you do a little jig in your front room and or wherever you are. And yeah, you, you never forget that first sale because it, it proves it. It proves you can do it. Now it's just about optimizing and scaling at that point. Yeah, I I, as as they're teaching me how to how to do this too, I'm certain that at some point I'll uh, I'll have my own uh, variation of that jig. Uh, <laughs> this is this is completely off topic. Like a, a friend of mine, uh, he's a he's a he's a Twitch streamer, and uh, we hadn't talked for a year, and then he gets back into um, World of Warcraft, and I figure out what server he's on and what faction he's fighting for. So I make a character on the opposite faction specifically <laughs> to try to, to try to kill him. And when I realize I could do this. Uh, I, I did this, I'm going to kill him, Jake. And I was ecstatic. I was so excited to do it. So I think I can, I can picture that level of excitement, but uh, through a completely different reason. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's great to, to, that you, you, uh, you, you brought me to the next question that I wanted to ask was, as your dropshipping business uh, was taking off, you, you, you were in just these major financial milestones, right? Like it's 200 pounds overnight, and it's 1,000 uh, pounds profit in a day, 2,000 pounds of profit, and so on. So with your 
uh, with the research you had done, and I guess also with your own instincts, um, what were you doing to, uh, A, keep yourself grounded, but then also to make sure that you were capitalizing on this this transition from, well, you know, less to, to more? Yeah, I think, um, well, I'm not very flashy. Um, I'm, sure. I'm not one of the, you see them all over Instagram, so flashy and Rolex watches and flashy cars and flashy holidays and stuff. I'm, I'm just naturally not a flashy person. The reason I started doing this was to for freedom. Freedom was my ultimate goal, not material goods kind of thing. So what I have done to keep myself grounded in a sense is I still live in the same house I did when I was broke. I still drive a one liter Volkswagen Polo because as I did when I was broke kind of thing. So I haven't bought anything extravagant. What I have done is I've improved my standard of living massively to the point where I'm free to do whatever I want, whenever I want kind of thing. I'm investing, I'm looking at the future, I'm putting that money in, you know, sort of index funds to grow just, you know, gradually over time. I'd rather spend my money on making my money earn more money than spending it on a fancy car. Now, I might get a fancy car one day, but I I work from home. So where am I going to go? Especially in a lockdown sort of thing. So to keep myself grounded is I just, I haven't changed. You know, you wouldn't, if you looked at me, you wouldn't know I've done what I've done kind of thing. Um, so yeah, you won't see me in any Gucci, Gucci t-shirts or anything like that. I don't, it's not for me. So that's kind of how I, I stay grounded with it. It's all about freedom and future for me. And that's my goal. You know, there's, um, the, the, there's two terms there and the relationship between them is something that I've, I've thought about in the past, but I didn't really make a, a connection until now. But when somebody's the difference between somebody spending versus somebody investing, like when I hear the word spending, I think uh, money for obviously for something, but it's not like that whatever it is I'm spending money on is necessarily going to create more gains in the future. Investing is the opposite. Investing is I'm spending this money. Well, okay, well, okay, that's not exactly how I wanted to characterize it, but I am transacting this money in the uh, in the mindset that it is going to increase my gains over time. And that's something that I've always like tried to angle myself more towards, not just with uh, money, but also with time too. Like if I'm going to see a movie, if I'm going to hang out with friends, I like to see how I can treat that as an investment. Like, you know, seeing something that can, seeing a movie that um, uh, changes my viewpoint on something or, mm-hmm. or, or, or being with my friends to create a better bond so that we become better friends. So I think if people get into the mindset more of investing over spending, I think that would uh, help them quite a bit in understanding that this is value that can become more valuable if you know what you're doing. Yes, exactly. I mean, I'm not just talking about investing in like stocks and shares as well, though I invest in, in myself in terms yeah. of knowledge as well. So, you know, like I want to grow businesses. I'm not focused solely on dropshipping kind of thing. I want to have multiple income streams from multiple industries because you never know what's going to happen. So I'm in the process of building an entirely new business as well to coincide with what I already have, you know, because I don't, you know, if something happens, if some sort of policy comes in place and says dropshipping is illegal, you know, I'm kind of screwed in a way. So um, I need other avenues as well. So I, I'm investing in myself in order to grow my knowledge as well. So I'd much rather spend my money on knowledge and my future than spend it on a car and a house and a, and a, and a fancy holiday kind of thing um 
that's just me. You know, everyone's different now. So mm-hmm. I, I do want to uh, mention that you you did have a dream trip. There was something that you you had wanted to do for a long time, uh, and and not that I'm and I I, I couldn't. I characterize this as I'm not trying to call you out. I'm trying to get as far away from that as possible. But there was a trip you really wanted to take. And so there was a difference between some like a lavish, um, l- luxurious trip just for the sake of it, uh, going to one of those underwater hotels in Dubai. Uh, but for you, you did something that was really special to you. And uh, that was you wanted to go uh, on a drive through the USA. So I- I'm wondering why, uh, I mean, there's a lot of places you can go in Japan. Like I, On my list, or US is there, um, Japan, Italy, New Zealand, uh, lots of places that I'd love to go. Yeah. Um, and I think I know why the US was a big draw for you, because the United States is one of the most free places on earth. Um, and because you were motivated to gain your freedom, I think there was a, um, a connection between those two points. But uh, t- tell me about your, your US trip and why it was so important to you. I've always had a fascination with the US. I don't know why, probably, you know, probably, probably, I think it could be, you know, movies, you know, TV shows that you watch and you're always seeing these famous places and landmarks and things like that. The idea of, um, you know, going coast to coast on a road trip and just seeing all these places, you know, the, the environments and everything, which is something that I've always dreamt of doing. It was always, it's just always been a dream of mine to do. And I've never been able to afford it. It's always been, you know, a lot of money to me kind of thing. But, you know, like we saying with the lavish holidays, like you won't see me kind of going on lavish trips to Dubai and like, you know, fancy like tower skyscrapers and having, you know, $10,000 bottles of champagne and things like that. It's, you know, it's not really me, but jumping in a van with seven other people and camping <laughs> at multiple spots along, you know, from, you know, east to west kind of thing, New York to LA was just the best thing I've ever done. Um, and unfortunately... Uh, with the whole COVID thing, I did it with Track America. Um, but Track America actually shut down now because of the COVID um, after almost 40 years of running. So oh, wow. um, it's quite sad, really, because I was planning on going on another. Because I did, I did basically did the South Coast. So I went, I went like New York, Philly, um, Washington, down to like New Orleans. You went across the Gulf of Mexico and then came back up through like Texas and you know went through Zion and Monument Valley and Vegas, LA. Kind of did, did that whole um, that whole route. But I kind of went to do the North. You know, go up top, go back the other way from LA to New York, but through the North Route. Um, but yeah, it was always a dream, um, and yeah, I did it. Luckily, managed to get the chance to do it before they before they shut down. Also, I just want to say for my own sake is that I would love to try out one of those underwater hotels in Dubai. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know about the, I don't know about the champagne, but I have I have a bit of a, a I am a bit of like a hotel fan. There's just something about staying in a place. It's almost like being in a dream for me. It's because I can walk around. Everything is taken care of. I don't have to like, you know, wash or, or, or do anything. I just yeah. I exist for a few for a few days. It's very zen. Uh, but that's just that's just me. So um, uh, some, uh, some of your, the other backstory stuff that I wanted to ask about. And, and there was a through line through the people that I've talked to is that how so far nobody that I've talked to has has, has, has been greedy. Really, no one has. Um, everybody has had uh, some difficulties in their life and really through perseverance and through the initiative to take uh, this opportunity where we were, were you guys able to, you know, find yourself in a, in, in a better place, particularly, uh, and this is because I have like a, a, my own experience with the call center. You, you had done a call center job for a while. 
Uh, and and I and I want to ask you about what was going through your mind and like what effect it had on you. And before I do, I just want to tell you real quick what my call center experience was like. It was it was on the verge of being great, but there was just one or two things that made it go from being an amazing job that I would really would have enjoyed to an absolute nightmare. And it was a call center job. I was doing outgoing calls and I had to conduct surveys for people. So I would ask them 15 questions about their experience with a phone company. And I would really would have enjoyed this because, you know, I do like talking to people. I've got the the talker's voice, uh, but the problem was I had to stick to the script. Like, word for word i couldn't deviate i couldn't converse uh and then there was monitoring they would actually have transcripts of our calls for for free feedback and um, my my goodness if i had any opinion on it myself and it just made me think man you know if i could just have that job where i'm just like conversing with people i ask the questions and you know we're just you know two people uh, chatting i feel like that would have been it might even yielded better results but you know, uh, they they have their reasons for doing it their way, and you know they're probably still in business now, so I respect that. But uh, so let me throw let me throw it back to you. What uh, what was going through your mind when you were in your office job or your call center job? The whole reason I got got that job originally in the call center was because my mom told me to get out of bed and get a job when I was nineteen. Kind of, she just kicked me out of bed and said, "Go get a job." That was the whole reason. So it was never. I think a lot of people who get into call center it was just to get a job. You know, I don't think anybody. Yeah anybody's dream is you know when their kid is to you know work in a car center it's a stepping stone to something else luckily when i was in there you know i worked and i built my way up into a kind of a senior management role within within the company so i wasn't on the phone when i finally kind of left the business but throughout that time while i was there um i always felt like i wanted more I, I the thought of being stuck in the office or a office for the next 40 years until i retired just did not sit right with me whatsoever and i knew the only way for me to break free of that was to do something about it um and i was broke i was dirt broke i was living in a house i had a mortgage on my own because i just gone through a breakup kind of thing so the whole sob story was there and uh i i needed to do something so i started to do something about it i never expected it to get to where it is like i said my original goal was to earn 200 pound a month just to kind of you know help me pay my bills but i always hoped that something would happen I always hoped that I would be able to kind of get out of that corp, you know, corporate world and actually just be a bit more dynamic in, in my job, in a sense, a bit more free. And like I said, my, my goal really now is that freedom. Now that I've had that taste of it, I would never want to go back to a job. And this is why I'm working as hard as I do to try and not only grow the dropship inside of the business, but also, you know, have these other avenues coming in, like my new business I'm looking at, and also, you know, real estate and investing, which is you know pretty typical for people kind of thing when we're looking to expand income streams. So that's what I'm doing as well. So, um, yeah, really, there's something deep down that told me that this isn't right, and I do not want to be in a job until I retire kind of thing. So that was that's what I was feeling at that time. Yeah, that sounds uh, that, that sounds uh, on par with a lot of what, what I went through, and it wasn't just uh, that job either. It was it was other ones too. Uh, but you know, I'm you know, for uh, for what it's worth uh, to my fine people at Debutify. I, I it took me a while to get to a job like this, but it's it's, it's just it, it does feel like a dream because it's a balance between freedom and responsibility. You know, I, I have a, aside from having to. Uh, be on time for for interviews. Everything else that I do, I, I get to, to go at my own pace. And you know, for for people, it 
it takes it takes time, but f- there are there really is no motivation quite like getting your freedom and being able to decide what you want to do uh, on your own day. And I'm also finding too that rather than have this job force me to be disciplined, like have working at a job where I have to be somewhere at uh, this time every day in a row, five days, in, you know, like five days a week, I'm in charge of my own discipline. So even when I'm uh, making rules for myself and I'm scheduling myself out, I still feel like I have the the choice of how I want to do this. Like I'm getting up at eight o'clock AM on my own volition as opposed to having a job make me do it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's uh that was the biggest worry I felt I would have, you know, once I did decide to quit the job was would I be disciplined enough in order to work without that boss telling you, you know, without the fear of getting sacked in a sense, if you didn't show yeah. up for work one day. What was if I just wanted a day off kind of thing? But what I found is I actually end up working more now because i have that flexibility of time you know i could be on at two o'clock in the morning or i could be on at nine o'clock in the morning i could be on at two in the afternoon kind of thing it really depends on when i want to jump online there's nobody telling me what to do i can just go and do it whenever i feel most productive in a sense um being more scheduled with it but i've definitely come to rely on my calendar a lot more <laughs> with booking times in so uh that, that's something new but yeah and that, that discipline it's right you're right what you're saying you know discipline it's amazing what it does when no one's telling you what to do when you know you still have to do it in a sense and um, i think with having your own business as well it's your responsibility you know it's kind of you don't want it to fail so you are i feel like i'm more passionate about this than i was working for somebody else because it's mine this, this is mine i've built this so it has to work and you know i don't i don't want people to see me as a failure so i'm not going to stop kind of thing so uh that's, that's kind of how it is yeah i know i i feel you on that it I, I was able to, you know, tell my tell my parents um, what uh, you know what what job that I'm having now, and and I think they 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 they, they trust me now and they trust my judgment, but it can be hard for for other people too uh, because they they are looking out for our best interest. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, that resistance is what we need for the motivation because if everything is just easy and simple, then it, it doesn't it do, it's not it's just not as motivating. Definitely. I think there's a lot of, I think, I'll, I think everybody kind of says this when they start doing something themselves. A lot of people tell you you're not going to be able to do it or it's not going to work. Go get a normal job kind of thing. I think those no's, those naysayers, I think people call them, are, uh, is what really pushed me to prove them wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people called me uh, Del Boy. I don't know if you know if you know the reference in terms of Only Fools and Horses. It was like a really popular comedy show in the UK, like a, like a classic kind of comedy show. There's a guy called Del Boy who... Um, always said he was going to be a millionaire kind of thing and he was always this sort of like trying to sell things on the sly and stuff you know bit of a bit of a, bit of a well del boy del boy is a term in the uk now like it refers to that kind of thing where you're trying to make money a little side hustler i suppose um mm-hmm. and he eventually did it kind of thing so a lot of people when i was trying to build this kept calling me del boy like jokingly saying it's not going to work you're just a del boy kind of thing so it's quite nice to know that it's actually worked out and I've yeah. but those you know those people who said it wasn't going to work forced me to make it work to prove them wrong i wasn't going to let them be right and yeah. I think a lot of people have that same kind of mentality with it they they, they have their role to play you know, and in a way it's like it's their is their job to to provide that impetus to yeah. to get ahead mm-hmm. so people are going to they, they could be in a similar situation mm-hmm. to you uh things could be uh rather um rather rough and um, one thing that stuck out to me is that uh, your 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 store, Big Red, was attempt number six. 
So you had five attempts before then. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to zero in on that just a, a little bit because I want to know some some of like your 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 mindset as well as how, whatever lessons you were able to learn on attempt number two that you're able to carry over into attempt number three. And I think this would be really helpful for people who are uh, trying to get it to work uh, and it's not quite clicking. Um, only for it to then click. So uh, tell us a little bit more about that story. So Big Red was probably launched probably just over three years, just over three years ago now. That was the sixth attempt. The, the first five attempts were done over the previous three years. So I've been trying to do dropshipping for six years, kind of just over six years. So the first five failed store attempts were over like a three-year period on and off. I see. Um, so, you know, the first time I launched it was, I didn't have, obviously didn't have a clue what I was doing. I just, I thought it was a get rich quick scheme. I fire up a store, I'm going to make a million dollars. I was one of those people. That's what I thought, you know, that was the impression I got. Quickly realized it wasn't going to work um, that way. So I tried a few more, I tried different niches. I tried the standard typical pet store. I tried a snowboarding store, even though I knew nothing about snowboarding kind of thing. And it all just failed because I didn't know what I was doing in terms of branding. I didn't know what I was doing in terms of, um, marketing and Facebook ads and any of that. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Um, and after the fifth store, um, I almost gave up. I was like, on the edge of giving up. Um, and I decided just to basically sit down and do as much research as I possibly could to figure it out from all the free resources that were about because I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't pay for somebody. I couldn't, you know, afford a course. So if there was any courses that time, I'd even look, I'd even bother looking because I didn't have the money to do it in the first place, kind of thing. Um, so I, I did as much as I could and I said to myself, okay, this is going to be the last attempt. This will be the last attempt. If this doesn't work on this sixth store, then this isn't for me. I'll have to find something else. And when I launched that sixth store, I had 250 pounds as my budget. And I think I'd spent, I think I spent about 150 pounds of it before um, I found the product that, you know, eventually kicked everything off. And I had a hundred pounds and I, I thought, right, I'm just going to go all in on this. A hundred pounds on this product. I'm going to make a bunch of ad sets and just spend the entire hundred pounds in one day and see what happens. Uh, and if this doesn't do it, that's my budget. I'm fed up. I can't do this anymore. It's, it's not for me kind of thing. Uh, and I launched the product and it was profitable from 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 that day kind of thing. So um, that was, yeah, it's, uh, that's the one that really took off. Now, I had made sales on the other stores, bear in mind, um, but sure, okay. none of it was profitable kind of thing. So um, this one was, was profitable. Um, but yeah, that's what really kind of took it off so it was, it was there was always something in the back of my mind saying you can do you can do this you know you can do this um it's funny because i've actually been um reading that um think rich grow rich book it's quite a popular um book and it's interesting what they seem to have how usually people that find success are the people that are just about to stop and mm-hmm. it's the people that you know don't stop that end up you know finding that success it's very much like the university's little trick to say if you can break past this barrier you will find success but people normally stop at that point where i was about to stop so it's quite interesting reading that and you know thinking oh yeah that's kind of you know what happened to me as well so i think um don't give up you can only fail if you give up i think that's my, my number one tip yeah it does make me wonder like in an alternate universe if um if say like big red uh, didn't take off um I wonder if you like, would you actually have just gone back to your uh, office job? Would you have tried to go into a different field altogether? Or was it really maybe just like a psychological technique to say, okay, okay, number six, I know I said that was the last time, but number seventh, this is going to be the last time. That's a, that's a difficult question to ask. I don't know. I think dropshipping and e-commerce 
isn't the only money-making thing I've tried. You know, Dropship Commerce is the last money-making thing I've tried because it works. Um, but I've tried all sorts of stuff. You know, I've, I've tried, you know, selling things on eBay. I've tried, um, you know, gambling, like roulette and things like that. I've tried, uh, I even tried renting my driveway right in, my, in front of my house. I live on a typical suburban street. You can park on the road kind of thing. So there's no point anybody parking on my driveway. But that just shows you kind of all the things I was trying to do to make money at the time. And, you know, e-commerce was just another one of these long list of get rich quick ideas. Everyone, that's why everyone called me Delvoy, because I was trying all these different money making ideas to try and do something to help me break out of this corporate world when I came across dropshipping because of that YouTube video, One Fateful Night kind of thing. And that just, you know, snowballed into what it ended up being. So, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been an interesting ride, really. Mm-hmm. Makes me wonder, like, if they were to try to remake that TV show now, whereas before he would be going off in all these adventures. I, I haven't seen it, but I just assume that he, you know, he's in, in different parts of the of the country. Maybe he's in like a gold mine for an episode, uh, which is a complete guess. Versus now, people are doing these attempts. It's just them on their computer for, for hours <laughs> and hours, you know, trying different things. So, yeah. like, I don't know. It's, you know, show, shows are made and um, made to reflect the time that they're that they're made in for sure. Wow. So I've got a couple more questions for you, and then I'll let you go. Okay. From uh, from what I read is that you are open to criticism. Uh, mm-hmm. you've, you've you face it head on, which is a great and admirable quality. Uh, but I would like to know if there, like was, was there any criticism that um, stuck out to you and how you responded to it. Um. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest criticism that I generally get these days, which apparently is quite common, once you start get, becoming more successful especially with me being on youtube and things like that you know people see me a lot you get a lot of hate thrown your way um a lot of it's mindset a lot of it a lot of it's jealousy kind of thing but the one thing that does bother me i suppose is when people call me a scammer for what i do they completely just paint me that picture of being a scammer um without doing any research and stuff like that now i'm trying to teach people you know how to build a business at the end of the day do you know it's uh but I think there are scammers out there, but to be, be painted by that same brush without anyone doing any research is annoying, to say, to say the least, kind of thing. Um, but I, I think now, at the time it bothered me, originally it did bother me. I think it would have bothered a lot of people. Um, but all the time, it's just, I realize now it's completely just mindset from people, um, small-minded sort of mindsets in a sense. And I think the people who call people scammers and you know give negative reviews and things like that the people who generally don't become successful anyway because i think you have to be positive you have to you know push through challenges and i think you know if you have that victim mindset you're never going to make it a success like i never felt like i was a failure even though i was failing you know it's mm-hmm. always very much i felt like i could win i just had to figure out how to win that was kind mm-hmm. of my mindset. So, you know, when people you know call me a scammer or a fraud or whatever, I'm like, well, one, how can you say that when there's all this stuff about me everywhere kind of thing that obviously backs up what I'm saying, but also it's a business at the end of the day. You know, it's, you have to have the right mindset to make it work and not everybody will make it work because not everybody has the right mindset. So, yeah, that kind of stuff bothers me, but now it's just one of those things and you just deal with it kind of thing. I always think about, you know, how big celebrities deal with how much hate they get. It's totally... You know, it's a totally different sort of ball game, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And and again, they're they're just playing their role as well. Yeah. You know, they're they're continuing that that necessary element of push. Well, I don't know about okay, maybe not necessary in in the granular sense, but there's always that element of pushback. It's just part of how the universe works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
definitely, definitely. I think a lot of people deal with it. You can see it a lot, especially on social media, you know, keyboard yeah. warriors. It's, it's easier to say it behind a keyboard with anonymity instead of saying it in front of someone's face, isn't it, kind of thing. So It is. Um, but, yeah, one of those things you got to deal with it. If you want to be successful, if you want to grow, if you want to kind of be in the public eye in a sense, you know, through YouTube, then you've got to deal with anything that comes your way, positive or negative, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I appreciate that answer. That was uh, that was very sincere. Um, last thing to, and then we can uh, we can get you we can get you going. Um, mm-hmm. Is for people who are uh, ready to engage. Um, if you were to set up a new dropshipping based store, uh, can you take us through some of what you do to initialize it? I know you. I guess you did mention that was a prepared question. You did mention some of your um, your your studying your criteria. Yeah. Uh, so we can we can review that very quickly. But if there's anything else you want to recommend to people getting started, this would be the time to do it. I think for a lot of people who are just getting started in dropshipping is to pick your product and not your niche. A lot of people come into the, oh, I'm going to make a pet store. Well, that's all well and good. But what happens if nobody wants any of your pet products? So, you know, this is where the data validation comes in. You know, what if you find a bunch of pet products and none of them hit the criteria and none of them, are, you know, have search terms for them? Well, you know, you're going to have a lot of competition in a pet niche. But what happens if you found something, I don't know, in car mechanical niche or whatever i'm just making something up now kind of thing it was some fancy screwdriver that ticked all the boxes that were going to make you a million dollars would you do the car mechanical thing or would you go down the pet niche because you want to do a pet niche to me i'm in it to make profit so choosing the product over the niche is one of the most important steps that i think people should do before you even decide to open a store figure out what your product is find that product using the validation techniques, find it using the, you know, so many free tools available. Like Google Trends is, is totally free, but it's a massive piece of my research kind of thing. So, you know, use that, figure out products that people want and then start to consider how you want to build your brand around it. You know, how can you make yourself look like the market reader in that product? You know, think think about branding in terms of having one, like I said, I go for one product stores now, so that would be the only product. Become that one product. You know, uh, a great brand that I, I look at is a company called Blendjet. They used to be dropshippers, uh, and now they have their own e-commerce brand from that one product kind of thing. So, um, yeah, you know, think about the brand, how you can really build a business around that product, and then that's when you start to build your score. Think uh, your store, sorry. Think about what the customer wants. How do they connect with that customer, with that product? You know, what, what do they want it for? What's the benefit to them? Not what you think they want. What do they want? kind of thing and you know start thinking about it. it all comes together really to create that entire website that brand that that messaging and then you align that with your ads and yeah and hopefully it, it all works mm-hmm. well I, I i it certainly has and i'm mm-hmm. certain it certainly can again um and then for if anybody wants to uh engage with you uh how do you recommend people um come uh, reach out to you um, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube, just search Chris Wayne, W-A-N-E, um, and then I should just pop up on there for you, and yeah, you can send me a message through, through any of those channels, and I get back to everybody myself, I have no VAs answering those messages, it's just me, so if any questions or anything, just reach out, and yeah, you'll, you'll speak directly with me. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, this has been, uh, this has been a great interview. It's been great, great speaking to you. You might have found this show on many number of platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. 
We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.